Hey guys, welcome to LifePoint Youth. Uh, this is definitely a different uh, format that we're going to be doing. My name is Josh. I'm the youth pastor here. In case you didn't know, uh, man, it is so good to see you, I guess. Uh, I, I really, man, this is, like I said, this is just a bizarre situation, but we're not going to stop doing uh, what we are called to do, and that is uh, to listen and read and meditate and study the Word of God. Man, we've been in a, a series called Song of Solomon uh, over the past two months. This is the final night tonight that we're going to be going over. So I hope uh, that you would be able to pay attention, give us a little bit of your time to go through this, man. And this is directly in Facebook. This is the first time we're doing this. So you have that share button and go and share this thing, man, because I believe that it is a really important word. If you are listening with our audio podcast, I'm also taking the audio and going to be formatting this uh, onto, onto that. So maybe you're listening. Thank you for joining. Thank you for finding us. Make sure to subscribe so you can hear all of the rest of the podcasts that we have. Maybe you're looking for what we've done in the past and trying to catch up. Get on LifePoint Youth Audio Podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on Google Play. Man, we are everywhere. And I'm really, really excited. Um, so like I said, this is the last night. This is the last time that we're going to be going through Song of Solomon. And we're going to be talking about commitment. Uh, we've worked through all of this stuff. And now we're going to be ending with commitment. We've been talking uh, about how to uh, find attraction. We know that it comes from character. We've talked about dating and courtship and how important those aspects are. We've talked about the wedding, the wedding night, you know, what happens after the wedding. Yeah, we, we talked through all of that stuff, man. And I, th I think it's been good uh, because I, I went through this as a teenager. I went through this whole lesson, this whole uh, series, and I walked away knowing what I was going to do in my relationship to make it successful. And now I'm sitting here engaged, ready to be married, and um, I'm just really, really pumped, and I'm thankful for the words that my youth pastor was able to preach to me. So with this last week, we're going to be talking about commitment, like I said, but I'd like to start off with a story first. It's about a guy named Dudley. Now Dudley, I don't, I don't know about you, but Dudley doesn't sound like a very romantic name. It's not like uh, uh, you're not going to see a Dudley on, on The Bachelor or anything like that. He just kind of sounds like a hick. And I can say that because I'm from Kentucky. So I have all, all, those, all those cards pulled and I love my hicks out there. But, <laughs> but Dud Dudley, even, even amidst the, the, the hick name and, and maybe, you know, he just sounds like he's not a dude that you want to talk to uh, uh, romantically. But Dudley pulled off one of the coolest engagements that I've ever heard about. So guys, now would be a good time to listen and pick up if you haven't been able to, uh, to figure out an idea for how you would want to propose to your girlfriend whenever that time may be. You're too young now, so don't even think about it. But this is what he did. So Dudley started off by picking up his girlfriend and driving out to a lake. And at the lake, they got into a canoe and they canoed, <laughs> they canoed out to a little island in the middle of the lake. And there in that island, Dudley made lunch for him and his girl. And they ate a sweet and romantic meal together. And then after lunch, a speedboat came roaring through to the island to come pick them up. So they got in the speedboat and they sped around the lake for a little while before going back to the shore. There was a limo that was waiting at the shore for them. The driver took them to an airfield where they boarded a little plane and they flew over the hills of Arkansas, which is a really cool area if you haven't been. I was kind of near where I went to school and it's a really cool area. So when they landed, 
they landed on a grassy runway and they were at this nice college campus in the area. And he led her out of this plane, uh, of the plane into the campus chapel. And the whole thing was set up like a wedding ceremony. And in it, there was the, you know, the candles were lit. There were flowers everywhere. And she saw an envelope with her name on it. So she went to open it and it was a proposal for marriage. Everybody's like, oh, come on now, Dudley. You got it going. She turned around and there was Dudley, the heartthrob, right? He's down on one knee and he's ready to go. So after she said yes, he escorted her to a truck that was just a beat up piece of trash and barely ran. And when they got in and they drove to dinner, he was explaining about the day they were talking about it and he was explaining what all those vehicles meant. The car at the very beginning of the story stood for normalcy. The reality that they were gonna have most normal days in life together. The canoe was for the times that they were gonna have to work together to get somewhere. The speedboat was for the fun that they were gonna have. The limo represented the other people driving them, anticipating that their lives were gonna be affected by others. The plane that they rode in was about their spiritual journey together. Finally, the beat up old truck was about growing old together. And that's how my dude Dudley proposed to his wife. And I'm over here thinking, dude, you're a Jedi. Please teach me your ways, like for real. But the truth is a lot of people need help with this kind of stuff. And that's the kind of stuff that keeps the fire burning in a relationship. A lot of people don't know how to do that and they end up festering out after a little bit. And that's why divorce rates are the way that they are, man. People just aren't committed at all. So where would I like to start with this? Well, we're going through the last three chapters of this book and verse, or chapter six and chapter eight, I'm gonna kind of paint in a broad stroke. We're gonna go through every verse in chapter seven though. Um, and there's only 13 of them, so it's really not that much. But remember last week, if you, if you weren't there, I'm sorry, it, the data got corrupted. We weren't able to upload it. But uh, last week we were talking about conflict and we talked about how when you sit back and you let God kind of, work on that person, the conflict can get resolved a lot easier. We talked about how uh, Solomon was able to build his bride up through the words that he said, but I'd like to go ahead and take a look at that section again. You know, in verse uh, four, when he says, you're beautiful, my darling, as Tilsa, Tirza, as lovely as Jerusalem, you know, uh, all of that stuff, when he starts talking about her hair being a flock of goats again, I don't know what's up with him and, and goats. He talks about just everything uh, about her that he loves and what happens. It kind of melts her heart. She has a newfound respect for him. But there's also this aspect in building her up that he, uh, he practices. And it's important, it's so important for commitment in a relationship. And that is forgiveness. You see, Solomon wasn't bitter about what had happened Remember when he's trying to get in to bed with his wife and, and she's like, go away, I'm already in bed, I don't want to talk to you. And he kind of was like, okay, whatever, and he just leaves. Well, we talked about how he didn't carry offense, but he forgave whatever offense he could have taken. And I think that some people, I think some people for sure think it's okay to hold grudges. It's not. You know, if you get entrenched in offense, that it, all, all it can do, especially in a relationship, is devastate it. All it can do. If you're only getting offended by the person who you're with, man, it is not going to end well at all. Some people think it's okay to hold grudges, and it's totally, totally not. For those of you who claim to follow Jesus, those students who claim to follow Jesus, forgiveness is not an option. It's a commandment. 
Forgive and you will be forgiven. That's what Matthew 6.14 says. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Look, the gospel messes with us. We can't sit in our mess without Jesus pulling us out and showing us a better way. We have to know, and, and this messes with me so much. We have to know that, that, that Jesus on the cross died for people like Osama bin Laden the same way that he, he did with me. The same way that he did with me. You see, all of these atrocious people in history, man. You probably are reading about it. Not now, because I know you guys are canceled with school. But, but, you know, I know, that, I know that it sounds very, very weird to say that. You know, you look at all these people who are just horrible in history. But it's actually really pro-gospel. It's God's desire that none would be perish, but all would be saved, man. That's important. You see, God demonstrated his love while we were sinners and Christ gave his life for us. So we have to be comfortable with forgiveness. And a lot of us are comfortable with with forgiveness when we're on the receiving end. But giving it, giving it is important because if you're not giving it, you're never going to get it. Christ's forgiveness fuels our commitment to him and our forgiveness of others does the same. So we see in in, in these first two verses and, and through this section, uh, we'll see in chapter 7 here later on, but, but we see in this section in, in uh, chapter 6 that, man, they want to spend time together. They want to have this, and it fuels the relationship that they have. We can't simply have good and strong relationships without practicing forgiveness. I'm sorry should be some of your favorite words in your relationship. You know, if uh, in football... And I know this is going to sound crazy, especially if you watch football. But, but if you don't, maybe, maybe you don't. Maybe you don't care. You know what happens with a handoff. You hand the ball off. The quarterback hands the ball off to the running back. And the reason he hands it off is because he knows that the running back should theoretically be the fastest guy on the team. He should be the strongest guy who can run through those defenders and be able to run and score and get them the points that they need. So when it comes to forgiving others, we need to hand it up to heaven. And we need to decide in our heart to forgive and hand the issue to God and let him do the work and the progress of us that's involved. That's the best move that we can make. People of faith have struggles and conflict, but they handle it differently by the practicing of forgiveness and the handing it off to heaven. And if that's not what we do, if that's not what we do, man, that is not really Uh, that's not really Christianity. That's not really putting your faith into action. You should always be able to forgive. Things like living in harmony and practicing forgiveness, being able to respond the way that Solomon did at the end of chapter six. And that's important to to our, our faith walk and our relationships in general. So I'd like to actually get into chapter seven and we start with the first two verses here. We, Solomon is still talking with his, with his bride and he says, how beautiful your sandaled feet, O prince's daughter. Your graceful legs are like jewels and the work of craftsmen's hands. Your navel is a rounded goblet that never lacks blended wine. Your waist is like a mound of wheat encircled by the lilies. So we see in these first two, two verses, Something very, very important. So the first thing that Solomon practices in keeping commitment at the center of his relationship is forgiveness. But now we see him turn the page a little bit in chapter 7 and he starts giving his bride attention. 
The last time Solomon started to compliment his wife, he started with her eyes and her hair. This is the wedding night that Pastor John went over uh, a couple weeks ago. But at this time, this time he starts with her feet. And there's something special that we can learn about the poetic creativity of Solomon. He isn't just noticing all the same things and, and kind of repeating what he had said, but what he's doing is he's showcasing that he's learned his bride. He's paid attention and he's found new ways over the course of these, uh, these chapters to compliment his bride. The best of marriage relationships, the best marriage marriages that happen are the ones that have people paying attention, learning and relearning how to appreciate one, one another in different seasons of life. You know, if you look at what Solomon says uh, at the very, very beginning of chapter 7, he says, how beautiful are your feet in sandals. He pointed out his wife's feet. Now, I don't know about you, but I think feet are gross, and I think it grosses people out. But it would not be, it would be foolish to not see the beauty that's there in that sentence. It is so hard to see the beauty in feet where calluses have been formed, to appreciate feet that have worn a path uh, worn a path in the carpet of the house, taking home, care of the home. You know, the feet that have carried the weight of childbearing. Have we, have we learned how to appreciate the feet of dozens of pairs of work shoes to make sure that the family was taken care of? You know, I think that, that this is a very stark reminder in our relationships of how we should be loving people, respecting people, and showing attention to people, just in general but also in your relationships, man. In your relationships, if you're not being, uh, being so adamant about paying attention, learning and relearning whoever you're with, man, that relationship is gonna die out because you're kind of gonna be going on, on uh, the same fuel and it's not really gonna be able to add anything. So attention is that addition into the fire, man. The people who have carried the good news of Jesus, you know, in Isaiah uh, 52, seven, that's where you see how beautiful are the feet of those who are, who are there for, uh, for, 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 for um, God. I'm just, man, I'm sorry. I'm just kind of losing it right now. With We have a lot of uh, distractions and, and things like that. You know, uh, it's very weird. And I know that I'm kind of ranting, but I think that it's, it's okay to, to do that for a little bit. But uh, let me get back into it. We see uh, in Isaiah uh, that, that, you know, he says, how beautiful are the feet you know, of those who, who are carrying the gospel and, and, and preaching it, man. I think that it is, it is so important that the people who have carried the news of Jesus have beautiful feet. And I think that in our relationships, we have to notice that as well. So, so we can do what Solomon did. How does this relate back? How does this relate back to relationships? We can see what Solomon did and we can compliment what we've noticed. See, there's a guy... Uh, who, who I'm friends with or uh, that, that I know who was married on the 31st day of the month and he figured out that there are seven months in the year that have 31 days. And on every single one of those 31st days, he, bought, he buys a small present for his wife and he places it somewhere for her to find. And it's always something she likes, things uh, he's been taking notes on just like the, all the other days. And after 15 years of marriage, on the 31st, she wakes up and just starts looking around the house for the gift because she knows it's going to come. It's totally appropriate to pay attention and appreciate someone more than just the big days like Valentine's Day, birthdays, anniversaries, those kind of things. Guys, we can do a better job than that. Some of us can quote football stats from the 1970s, 
maybe not the 70s, but maybe the 80s, 90s, you know, we know those players, we know those things. I'm guilty of it as well. But we don't even know our significant other's favorite salad dressing or, or what she likes to listen to or what she likes to watch. We don't know her favorite shows, man. That's a travesty. So you gotta listen and you gotta learn. Food and details might be seem, seem insignificant, but it's not insignificant to her. You have to remember the, the, the likes, the dislikes that prove that we're listening and we're, we're close enough to our person to pay attention and give them that attention. But it also works two ways. So ladies, ladies, this is something that you should know. Guys want to know that you care as well. We see this, man. This relationship with Solomon and his bride is not one-sided. She is definitely about him the same way that he's about her. She took after him and left her in the room. And I'm sure that this was a huge blessing for Solomon to know that he was desired. And I be do believe that it's the pursuit it, 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 the pursuit is the responsibility of the man in the relationship. Husbands and, and, and future husbands, you have to love your wife as Jesus loves the church. So, but, but I want you guys to think about that. Who pursued who in that relationship? But there's nothing wrong with ladies showing a little appreciation and even initiating a date night from time to time. Ladies, the two biggest blessings that you could give your husband, your significant other in the future, his attention uh, with words of encouragement and respect. Don't criticize him into oblivion. If he's worked on a new project, if he's discovered a new tool, if he caught a fish, if he's making progress at work or school, maybe he just did you know, the lawn when you guys are married and you guys are living together and, and he just mowed the lawn and he did a really good job. Let him know about that. Those are the things that guys want to hear because they struggle with feelings of inadequacy and failure already to begin with and you don't want to reinforce that you know you can help with just simple words of encouragement and aside from God's words this is important aside from God's words your words to your uh, significant other in the future and, and even now are the most important words so use them to build people up become an expert of strengths and weaknesses and, and, and you have to just be able to, to pay attention and make sure that you're in there, uh, in their life enough to, to know their likes and their dislikes and, and take the time out to, to have a, attention. Sorry, excuse me. So, so we see, again, so we see just in first two verses, man, there's this detail to attraction. But what do we, what do, we do, what do we see in the, in the rest of this chapter? The rest of this chapter says this, and I know this is going to get weird. That's, that's okay. It's fine. It's actually just me in here, so I really don't care anyway. But <laughs> this, is, this is what it says. It says, your breasts are like two fawns, twins of a gazelle. Your neck is like an ivory tower. Your eyes are like the pools of Heshbon uh, and the gate of Bath uh, Rabbim. Your nose is like the tower of Lebanon, looking forward to Damascus, your hand your head crowns you like a Mount Carmel. Your hair is like a royal tapestry. The king is held captive by its tresses. How beautiful you are and how pleasing, O oh love, with your delights. Your stature is like that of a palm and your breasts are like clusters of fruit. I said, I will climb the palm tree and I will take hold of its fruit. May your breasts be like the clusters of the vine, the fragrance of the breath like apples and your mouth be like the best wine. And this is what, 
She says back to him, she says, may the wine go straight to my lover flowing gently over the lips and teeth. I belong to my lover and his desire is for me. Come, my lover, let us go to the countryside. Let us spend the night in the villages. Let us go early to the vineyards and let us uh, to see if the vines have budded, if their blossoms have opened, if the pomegranates are in bloom. There I will give you my love. The mandrakes send out their fragrance at the door of every delicacy, both new and old, that I have stored up for you, my lover. Man, man, that is so, so, so powerful. See, we see in this interaction with, the two, with these two people that words and time are massive. The Bible says, do not covet, but Solomon has a way with words that I wish I had. I don't know about you, but that's the way that I feel. He's poetic, he's descriptive, he's intentional with his words. He is absolutely uh, in charge of what he says, and I think that is so cool. It's obvious that his words aren't sporadically placed and, and that they're strategically planned. His thoughtfulness, there's beauty in that thoughtfulness that he has. And some people might read through quickly under the guidance of the Holy Spirit and they read through quickly and they just see some of those words where he talks about, you know, weird things of the body and all this kind of weird stuff. But, but it's the Bible and where we refuse to, to read, we'll miss what God has said. We would agree that God's words are life to us. We don't live on bread alone, but on every word. Not just some, but not just the ones that we like, but on every single word in scripture, every single word that comes out of God's mouth. So what we need to understand is that our words have great impact. We can speak life or we can speak death. Learning when to speak and how to speak will fuel the fires of commitment in your relationship. And if you aren't sure how to do that, it's actually uh, something that Jesus was teaching about in Luke chapter 6, verse uh, 45. And this is what he says. The good man brings good things out of, good, out of the good stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil store, uh, stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his, of his heart, the mouth speaks. So if you guys want to learn a new way to speak, to your significant other or to the people around you and your friendships even, you have to get a new heart. You have to have a heart change. Let Jesus take out that heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And what does that mean? That just means that you have to be tender. You have to be sensitive. You have to be able to listen to, to the voice of God and to be listening with compassion. You see, Jesus changes things. Not simply our Sunday mornings to-do list, but our attitude, our investment, our behavior, our hopes, our dreams, and our words. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. If Jesus is the Lord of your life, he's the Lord of your lips, so you have to speak life. Solomon spoke life, and his wife responded. In the second half of, of chapter 7, his, his, his wife responds. You know, she, she, she is very very adamant about let's get away let's go to the country where we don't have to be distracted by the stresses of the day-to-day -day. it seems that there's an appreciation for country living uh in the bible even you know a lot of people like being away a lot of people like their farms a lot of people like being away uh not a whole lot of people like the music though i, I just think that that's 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 duly noted uh i'm starting to get into a, a little bit of a country vibe but that's just that's just me you see, there's a different pace in the life of the country. This is why so many people like it. They don't feel hurried. They don't feel like they are constantly in the, in the hustle and bustle of life. They can kind of slow things down. They can stop and they can smell the roses. 
And that's the point of getting away, stopping and, and pausing to enjoy life, especially with your, with your person and your relationships, and be refreshed. You see, new experiences and new memories have a way of bringing a newness to the relationship. So getting away isn't just beneficial for our horizontal relationships. It's also good for our relationship with God. I mean, think about the New Testament. If you read through the story of Jesus, how many times did Jesus distance himself from the people around him and actually go through and, and pray away from the crowds, away from his friends even? Think about Moses and what he would do in the Old Testament. Scripture says that Moses set up a tent far away from the camp, outside of the camp, so that he wouldn't be burdened by the camp and all the demands, but far from it. And it was called the tent of meeting. He would go there to meet with God. God was faithful to meet him there. So faithful, in fact, that people would stand out of their own tents and observe until Moses entered into his. And the presence of God would stand at the entrance. And when the people saw the presence of God, they worshiped him. You see, I say all that to say this. God is still present. He's still speaking. But are we able to seek him? Are we still stealing away to meet him and to hear the words that he speaks to us as men, as women, as friends, as sons, as daughters? The Sholemite woman called Solomon out and said, hey, come get away with me. And it's the same invitation that the Spirit of God beckons with us. And so I think it's important to keep this entire, the entirety of this series in, in focus, that not only can you, can you talk about this from a standpoint of the relationship, not only do you talk about this from a standpoint of a friendship, but man, you talk about this and you can read this and read it in the lens of how God feels about us. A lot of people only like to preach that uh, when they preach from Song of Solomon, but I want you to know that there is importance in the word that they have uh, in, in, in Song of Solomon between the, between the Sholemite woman and Solomon. You know, it's very, very important to know that that relationship is very much tangible here. This is very much stuff that you can apply to your relationships and your friendships, but, but, also, but also to your relationship with the Lord. So if, if, you're, if you're watching this and, and you're, you're, you're going through and you're going, I don't know, I don't know if I have even have a relationship with the Lord, Man, let me tell you something. You can have that right now. Even as you're scrolling through Facebook, thank you for watching the entirety of the video. Maybe you're just skipping through to the end to see what I'll say at the end of this thing. But man, I'm, I'm glad that, that you're here, that you were able to, to talk and, and, and watch with me uh, and have this discussion. But it is, it is very, very important. This relationship between us and God is very, very important. Maybe, maybe you do have a relationship with the Lord, but your relationships with other people are struggling. Maybe your friendships are dying off. Maybe your relationship is really struggling. Maybe you're going through uh, breakups or maybe you're starting a new relationship and you're just overwhelmed by the beginning of that. Man, I have been in all of those different places. And let me tell you something, there's hope and there is, there is a game plan that we have with this book in Song of Solomon within the Bible, man. And, and I just wanna tell you, tell you, that, that all of this is super important in your relationships. I would encourage you, if you haven't, to go back and start at the beginning from attraction and work your way all the way through to this point of commitment. And you'll find that yourself, your relationship growing. I don't know, maybe, maybe it's you and your, your girlfriend or boyfriend and you guys want to listen to this and go through this together. Man, please, please do that and constantly come back and review it. I know I did. I know I did. So 
in, in this series, in this thing of commitment, as we close this thing out, what can we do? What can we do? You can write handwritten notes encouraging your friends, encouraging other people. Maybe it's you're, you're encouraging your parents or your guardians or your, uh, whoever, whoever you're living with. Maybe uh, you're encouraging your, your, your girlfriend or boyfriend. Maybe that's what you're doing. Maybe you're, you're taking notes of the things that you learn about the people who you care about. And that's an important thing to do. Man, set uh, reminders in your phone of like, hey, I need to do this, or maybe I need to do that. Maybe it's like, hey, Siri, buy me, uh, remember, remind me to buy flowers for, for, my, for my girlfriend. Remind me to, to, to do this, remind me to do that. And those reminders can really help. And I think as you guys are growing into a relationship uh, in marriages, and I, I, please don't do this now, Please, if I have to, I'm going to call you out and I'm going to talk to you. <laughs> so please, these last two things are kind of reserved more for when you operate in marriage. And, and that is get away and do new things. Get away and do new things. Take some time out to get away from the hustle and bustle of your everyday life and get away and experience new things. And then this is important for your personal relationship. Uh, for, for, for what, you're, what you're experiencing and what you're going through. And, and I think uh, this is a great word even now amidst all the craziness that we're going with. And that is get away and rest in the presence of God, man. There is rest that comes when you are, are reading his word, when you are praying, when you are seeking him out. There's a rest that can come. There's a peace that can come that surpasses everything. So, so thank you so much for taking some time out to watch to have a discussion with me, uh, be sure to check out the LifePoint Youth Audio Podcast. It will be on that format as well. Uh, we also have just launched, I have just launched the Engaging the Culture Youth Podcast, talking about how to engage some of the things that we are facing as a culture. Uh, we talked last week uh, in, the, in the first episode about COVID-19, so you can check that out as well. It's, it's uh, Engaging the Culture uh, is the name of the podcast, so you can check that out. Uh, on Spotify right now. I think that's the only place you can find it. It's not quite on Apple yet, but make sure that you go ahead and, and do that. I would like to take these last few minutes uh, to just pray and pray over you uh, watching at home, pray over your families and, and, and whatever situation that you're going through right now. And if you would, take some time out uh, at this time to, to comment some prayer requests, man. I would love to go through uh, this video and find some prayer requests and be able to join you in prayer. So let's just do that right now. Father, I pray for each and every person who is watching right now on, on Facebook. I pray that you would have your, your, um, your peace uh, just lavished upon them. Lord, I pray that they would be able to seek you in everything that they do. I pray that their relationships would be strengthened, their friendships would be strengthened, uh, even in the midst of, of uh, social distancing and all the, the different precautions that we're taking amidst all of this stuff going on. Lord, I thank you that you are above it all. Lord, we look to you and we thank you for what you are doing in this time. Lord, I pray that you would be with all of us as we experience and embark this new uh, transitional uh, season that, that we're in with, with the digital formatting, online platforms, all this, kind of, all this kind of craziness. Lord, be with all of us in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for um, being, being with me today. Maybe you haven't liked our Facebook page. Go through and give us a like right now. And I will see you, hopefully, we will, we will see you next week on here. Uh, same schedule, same time. Uh, we, we'll be posting updates on our Instagram and social media, just making sure and confirming those times. But we will see you next week. Thank you so much.